there everybody welcome back to star wars lads so this is our monthly tier list the tier list for the month of may all of you voted on the topic and you pick legends characters that are not in canon that we want to be in canon so we're going to do that list unfortunately Sonic and i have had a very busy month and so we haven't been able to record as many videos as we usually get out to all of you. And with Sonic being unavailable most of this week, I decided to take on this video, this tier list by myself. So a little old school back to when I used to be the one doing the tier lists on the channel before we did a joint one. Don't worry, he did send in his tier list. So I will show you what he thinks after I talk about each entry, but we're mostly gonna focus here on my opinions. It's my opinion you're gonna be watching, but I will be showing Sonic's tier list in a graphic after. And I do want to go over the categories first here, because obviously this is kind of a, it's not an S through F. There's no real way to rank these characters S through F. <laughs> we decided to gather a lot of the most notable and biggest characters throughout most of Star Wars Legends that have yet to have either an appearance in canon, or we did also include characters like a Darth Plagueis, like a Darth Revan, like a Darth Bane, who have been mentioned in canon stuff. Darth Bane kind of being the one that pushes the boundaries the most, considering he does have an appearance as a, a specter in the Clone Wars. However, we decided to include characters who have massive stories in Legends who don't have any story really at all in canon outside of just simple appearances. But let's look at the tiers here. Uh, the tiers I did with the top, we're doing the essential for canon. Those characters that are not in canon yet from Legends that I think absolutely need to be in canon. They make sense, they fit, and they would help canon greatly, the canon storytelling greatly. High priority are those that don't necessarily have to be in canon. They don't need to be in canon to make the canon work. But I think are great characters and should be the top priorities after you get those essential ones in. Low priority are the characters that are pretty good. They can be in canon, they can fit in canon, but we don't necessarily need to push them into canon right now. Then next we have great characters, but they're too similar to canon. When I put a character in here, it might be somebody who's better than somebody in high priority or essential. But these are just the characters that I think are so similar to something we already have in canon that it probably isn't a priority for us, high or low, to get them into canon because we're getting a different version of them already. Indifferent tier is pretty self-explanatory. It's characters that I don't really care one way or another. The next is if we've exhausted all other options. These are basically characters that if we've adapted everything else, these characters I wouldn't mind being in canon, but I really don't care if we have them or not. And then absolutely not are the ones I really don't want brought over from Legends, characters that I think don't really work in Legends, and I don't need them in canon. And then finally, the last tier, and it mainly was to include characters <laughs> that are pretty obvious once we get to them. So none of you in the comments are like, why didn't you have this character on there? These are characters that just don't fit. We've either done a version of them already, we've already adapted that same character, or we've done a character that has taken the place of two, three, four characters. Okay, after that lengthy explanation, but I think pretty needed, let's dive into the first character here. And it's actually, it's not a character, it's a set of characters. And I included the Rakata here. For those of you not familiar, the Rakata were the bad guys in the Dawn of the Jedi series. If you've been keeping up with Star Wars news, you know that James Mangold is directing a Dawn of the Jedi movie. We don't know what time period Dawn of the Jedi and canon will take place in. I've always been of the opinion that the Dawn of the Jedi era all the way to Bane's 
rule of two formation. That whole thing needs to be condensed massively. Dawn of the Jedi have less problem with though being far in the past. I do think the technology that's done in the Dawn of the Jedi comics and novels is far too advanced still even for 50,000 years before. But the idea of this alien empire that's so advanced, so in tune with the dark side, really stretching the force back when force powers and, and things about the force weren't necessarily as well defined as they are in later movies. And in my opinion, it's a solid enough idea with a bit of change that I think can work. I'm going to put it in low priority. Next, we have Marco Ragnos. For those of you not familiar, Marco Ragnos is one of the earliest ancient Sith. The Sith Lord so powerfully ruled pretty much unchallenged. I still like the idea and the designs of these old ancient Sith. I'd love them to be brought back, if nothing other than just for a name drop. Still, though, I think this is a good character but I think it's a pretty low priority character. Next is Naga Sadao, one of the villains from the Tales of the Jedi series. Naga Sadao is a very interesting Sith, uses Sith alchemy, and it would be really cool to bring back the combination of Sith alchemy and sorcery. Again, though, when we're looking at the Tales of the Jedi era, we've got to condense all this stuff. I think this is a pretty low priority character as well. So the next three I'm going to rank at the same time. We have Exar Kun, we have Ulic Keldroma, and we have Nomi Sunrider. The stories of Tales of the Jedi mostly center around these three characters, and I think when we look at these characters, this only takes place about 50 years before Knights of the Old Republic, but Star Wars in these comics looks so much older. It looks ancient. It looks like nothing you've really ever seen. It looks older than even Dawn of the Jedi does. I think the story of Exar Kun, the tales of Ulic Keldroma, Nomi Sunrider, all these characters would make a really nice start to what maybe the canon Dawn of the Jedi could be. But I think if you alter the characters' backstories just a bit, you can have the still the, what makes these characters compelling without having to attach all the baggage of these other things. I'd actually put these characters as high priority. I think Exar Kun, I would put him at the top. Ulit Keldroma next, and the Nomi Sunrider. So here we're looking at Mandalore the Ultimate, and I'm using Mandalore the Ultimate to kind of serve as the foundational piece of our Mandalorian canon. Obviously the Mandalorians are as popular as they've ever been, and I think a backstory, especially once we get Dawn of the Jedi, a backstory and a deep dive into the Old Republic era for the Mandalorians is going to happen. Looking at Mandalore the Ultimate, the Mandalore who led the Mandalorians through the Mandalorian Wars, I think this character would be a nice place to start the Mandalorians in canon. We're going to get into the Old Republic characters and the KOTOR characters here in a few seconds, but I think Mandalore the Ultimate is actually a pretty high priority character for canon. I think telling the backstory of the Mandalorians is now not only as intriguing as it's ever been, but pretty essential for what they want to do over at Lucasfilm. Next, we have Zane Carrick, the main character of the KOTOR comic series that took place shortly before the KOTOR video game. Zane Carrick is a really standout character, a really cool Jedi, a Padawan on the run. However, I don't think this character specifically is a high priority character to put in canon. I'm going to put Zane Carrick right after Naga Sadao and above Mark Ragnos. Okay, now we get into the Knights of the Old Republic era. So we're looking at here Revan, Malak, Bastilashan, HK-47, and Candor's Order. We'll start there before we get into KOTOR 2. Obviously, Knights of the Old Republic is an essential Star Wars story. It's one of the great Star Wars stories of all time. Unfortunately, with the rumors now that KOTOR Remake might be completely canceled, which is absolutely devastating. Let's start by looking at both... Revan and Malak. I think their story is excellent. It's one of the best Star Wars stories about a Jedi and Sith that we've seen in really any era of Star Wars storytelling. If you're doing Knights of the Old Republic, you really cannot do it without having Revan and Malak. Not only would fans be upset, but I think in general, you're just missing out on a ton of juicy material that you can easily adapt into canon 
without really any problems at all. I would put Revan and Malik as both essential for canon. Bastila Shan, again, I think is a character that is essential for canon. If you're going to tell the story of Revan, Bastila Shan is very essential to the way that story is told. Now we look at HK-47, who is one of everybody's favorite droids from the game. Of course, a great character. I don't know if I'd say HK-47 is essential for canon. We've had variations of HK, whether it's between Triple Zero in the Afro comics or a little bit of the personality of K2SO, but I'd put him in high priority. If you're doing that story, I'd love to see that character back. And then, of course, we get to Candorous Ordo. Candorous Ordo, who becomes the Mandalore, who is your companion Mandalorian in the game, whose Mandalorian heritage definitely plays against Revan's uh, violence and fight against the Mandalorians. I do think what he represents is pretty essential for Star Wars canon. I think the Mandalorian conflict with Revan's story has to be there. Now let's quickly look at KOTOR 2. So we have the KOTOR 2 story about the exile, Darth Treya slash Kreia's plan, the Sith Triumvirate. Again, I think this story is a great follow-up to Revan's story. But again, if we're going to touch on the Knights of the Old Republic era, I think it would be a huge misopportunity to not adapt Kreia and the exile stories. So again, I'm going to be putting a lot of these KOTOR 2 characters in essential for canon. Because of the Exile's importance to the story, I'm going to put her right behind Revan, Mitra Sirk, right behind Revan. And then because of Treya's importance for the Sith Triumvirate, I'm going to put her right behind Malak. When we come to Nihilus and Sion, Nihilus is just so cool to me. I would love to see him in canon. I would put him at the bottom of the essential ones, though. Sion is the one that I think is the least interesting as a character, but the darkness in him is one of the reasons the Sith Triumphant works so well. You've got the spectral-type character, the mystical character of Nihilus. You've got Kreia, who is the master planner, the one who's keeping this whole thing together. And you got Sion, who's the brute force. So I think because of that, I'm actually going to drop Sion in high priority. I would put Sion maybe right behind Ulick in high priority. So now we have Satil Shan. Satil Shan is a descendant of Revan and Bastila. Satil Shan, I think, is a high priority character. I would put Satil right behind Exar Kun. And I think the same thing about Darth Malgus. Darth Malgus is an interesting enough Sith that I think should be in the high priority and I actually put him at the top of high priority again the consequences and impact of his story on the old republic is pretty obvious he's still going in the old republic I think he's an essential piece of the old republic for telling that story we got to get to Malgus at some point a character though that has expanded across all of the old republic seemingly at this point is Vitiate Darth Vitiate the Sith Emperor whatever you'd like to call him part of Vitiate works really well in the old republic especially however if you know you're looking at canon this type of character just doesn't fit in the, the world we set up. It's a bit more grounded canon than Legends, so obviously power sets haven't gone this big. Don't love Vitiate's appearance in the Revan book. I don't love the way Revan falls in that book. There are things that are great about Vitiate that I think we could use, but I think he needs a heavy adaptation for canon if we're going to redo the story, if we're going to shrink everything. So I think Vitiate, to me, is a low-priority character. Okay, moving on to the Darth Bane trilogy. Again, Darth Bane, probably the character on this list that has the most role in canon. Darth Bane, to me, is essential, and I'm actually going to put Bane higher than Revan. The foundation of the rule of two is currently the farthest point we have in canon. I think that story needs to be explored, but I, I, want, I want Bane, the consequences of Bane to fall directly off of the Knights of the Old Republic and the Old Republic era. I don't want it to be 2,000 years of of now more and more fighting the new iterations of the Sith constantly changing. I want Bane's plan to be a direct fallout from the wars of Knights of the Old Republic and the Old Republic. Let's look at Darth Xana, his apprentice. I think she is also essential for canon. The story of Darth Bane is not complete at all without the story of Darth Xana, and I'm going to put her actually right behind Bane. I think she is 
more important for what we have in canon right now and the foundation of ultimately Palpatine's culmination of the rule of two than in then Revan or Malak or the story of the Old Republic. Okay, so now we're going to jump all the way over to the Darth Plagueis book because in Legends there is a massive jump from the end of the Darth Bane trilogy all the way to Darth Plagueis. Let's look at Darth Tenebris and Darth Plagueis. So to me, Darth Tenebris, a very interesting character, a character I really love. Plagueis is my favorite novel, so of course I'm going to want that story told. However, Tenebris is a character that I don't think we need the exact same version of Tenebris brought in to canon is a character that while interesting and expanded upon by James Lucino and other work, I think we're going to get a version of Tenebris. I think in, in the Acolyte, especially when the Acolyte takes place. So if Tenebris is the Sith we get in the Acolyte, I'd be more than happy with that. I'd love to expand on his story. However, I do think he's a low priority character. I'd put him right behind the Ricotta. On the flip side though, I think Darth Plagueis is arguably the most important character to bring into canon. I think Darth Plagueis has a story that obviously directly connects to the prequels right now. And as we continue to broach this timeline, as we get closer to ending the High Republic and get closer to the Phantom Menace, it's been a timeline that Lucasfilm has put a ton of effort into exploring canon version to know exactly what happens, Palpatine's origin story. I need it all. I need it in canon. Sonic threw Darth Tenebris in his essential for canon list. He thinks he will be changed a lot in the Acolyte, but he does think he should be brought back into canon. So now we have Xenatos, the second apprentice of Qui-Gon Jinn before he takes on Obi-Wan Kenobi. To me, Xenatos is a character that I think we would adapt if we've exhausted all other options. It's not to say that Xenatos is a bad character. In fact, I think he's a pretty good character. And I think the Jedi Apprentice series is amazing for what it does. But just personally, from what we've already done in canon, I don't know if Xenatos necessarily fits. In canon, we've explored a lot of Duke story so far, which to me makes it seem like the tragedy of apprentices in kind of that uh, family tree <laughs> from Dooku to Qui-Gon to Obi-Wan. The tragedy there is more between the fall of Dooku post-Qui-Gon uh, dying than it really is with anything that Qui-Gon did. And when a character like Sinatos was coming out, we didn't know that Dooku was the master of Qui-Gon. We didn't know who Qui-Gon's master was. Next, we have Cal Skirata, a character who helped train the Republic Commandos, a Mandalorian who helped train the Republic Commandos. In Legends Outside of the Gindi Tartakovsky Colomor show, one of the things we really kind of explored in material outside of that was the idea that not just the clones have personalities outside of just being numbers, but they're clones of a Mandalorian, Jango Fett. Jango Fett now being retconned again to be a Mandalorian has brought back a little bit of that, but I would like to see it further. I'll put Cal at the bottom of low priority. Sonic wanted to highlight Cal Skirata in his high priority tier, mentioning, like I mentioned earlier, that he wants to see more Mando stuff for the clones. Commander Fordo is an awesome clone and one of the best from the Gandhi Tartakovsky Clone Wars. Unfortunately, at this point, I feel like because we've done the Clone Wars, we've finished the Clone Wars, even though we're still telling stories in it once in a while in comics and in novels. Uh, Fordo does not have a major chance to have a huge role in canon. I'm going to put Fordo in great, but too similar to canon characters. And it's not that Fordo has already been done in canon. It's just that we have so many clone commanders in canon. But speaking of Delta Squad, these characters, I guess, like Bane, have had many appearances in canon, more appearances than Bane in the Bad Batch season two. But I would like to see the story of Delta Squad finally told, whether it's a new Republic Commando game told back in the Clone Wars era, whether it's making amends with Karen Travis and bringing her back for a revitalization of the stories of Delta Squad. I would just like to see a lot more stuff on Republic Commando. I think they are a high priority set of characters. I'd probably put them at the bottom of high priority because we've done so much clone stuff in canon, 
But, uh, you know, to top off the clone stuff, I would really like to see an exploration of clone commandos. And their stories are so unique and interesting that I, I would like that brought back in. I'd love a perspective of them as well in the uh, post-Order 66 timeline. Let's bring some books back. Let's get into that game. Give us the clone commando stuff. Next, we have Bria Theron, the love interest in parts, but a big part of the Han Solo trilogy by AC Crispin. I'm torn on Bria Theron because I think this is a character who has a lot of qualities that we haven't yet seen in Han's story. Solo, a Star Wars story, didn't really explore his roots in Corellia outside of just Kira. And then on the flip side, Bria Theron also has a lot in common with Kira. She's a Han love interest who leaves Han. But I think the fact that Han has a love interest that he's not just attached to, but he considered kind of the love of his life before ultimately she betrayed him and then he rediscovered love with Leia. I think that makes Bria Theron to me a bit of a great character but too similar to something in canon for me to think that she'll get directly adapted. Next is Starkiller Galen Merrick from the Force Unleashed video game. This character has so many fans, and of course Sam Witwer has been a major part of Star Wars for so long. I love the Force Unleashed. I think it's a very good game. I played it many times as a kid. I beat it probably three or four times. Starkiller is a very cool character, a character that has a lot of importance in Legends, a symbol in Legends. However, when we look at canon now with the Inquisitorious, and we know the Inquisitorious and somebody like the Grand Inquisitor and the way Vader is trained the Inquisitors and all of that the Inquisitor is just being fleshed out so more and can't so much more in canon I'm not sure where the room for Starkiller is of course Vader could still have a secret apprentice of course he could have had this one that he picked out and kept away from the Inquisitorious because he thought he was so powerful however I really think Galen Merrick's story needs to be altered quite a bit I also think that he needs to be way scaled down in the power level. However, he's a character that I do still want to see at some point. I just think because of all the other things we've gotten, Galen Merrick, Starkiller is a pretty low priority character. Sonic, on the other hand, put Starkiller in the if we've exhausted all other options tier, mentioning to me that he needs to be seriously reworked and powered down, and he thinks he needs to die before a new hope in order to work in canon. Next is Juno Eclipse, the love interest to Galen Merrick in The Force Unleashed. I like Juno. I think she's a good character, but I'm pretty indifferent on this one. I, I don't think Juno needs to be brought into canon. Next is Proxy following the Force Unleashed group. Proxy is a character that I do think would be interesting to bring back in canon. But again, like Juno, I'm not sold on Proxy to the point where if they tell Galen's story without this character, I don't think it'll make or break the story. Rom Kota is a really interesting Jedi, and I, I, I'm torn on Rom Kota again. Still, I don't like that many characters surviving Order 66, especially down all the way down the line. We have so many characters that survived Order 66. I don't know where Rom Kota fits, but I think if we bring back Starkiller, this is a character that I would like to come back more so than Juno or Proxy. I'll put Rom Kota at the bottom of low priority. Next, we have Maris Brood, a character that I feel like has been done multiple times in canon. We've explored with Inquisitorious Fallen Jedi. I think Maris Brood is a fun boss, but I don't know if we need her. I'd put her in if we've exhausted all other options. Oh boy, next we get to the Ewoks movies characters. Uh, you think Legends is all sunshine and rainbows, but then you get the Ewoks movies. And let's start with the main character of Caravan of Courage, Mace Tawani. Mace is one of the most insufferable Star Wars characters. This is a pretty easy one for me. Absolutely not. I do not want to see Mace back. Sindel, his younger sister, is surprisingly much better. I'll put her in if we've exhausted all other options. I don't think she's the worst part of those movies. Wilfred Brimley's Noah Brequallen, a character that I think actually is all right. And, and again, I like Battle for Endor 
way more than I like Caravan of Courage. This character, though, I don't need to see him back. I'm, I'm not going to put him absolutely not, but if we've exhausted all other options, he can come back. Next is the beloved Kyle Katarn, a character that I always have really loved. However, adapting him has become a bit more tricky, especially with Rogue One kind of taking away a lot of his significance as a character. Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2 does give him the whole, obviously, Jedi angle to his story, a family history, a past with the Valley of the Jedi. And I do think Luke personally needs the lieutenants like top lieutenants in his academy Kyle's kind of in the me that middle ground though a lot of what makes him special is already given to other characters in canon but I think he's iconic enough and I like him enough that I'd put him in low priority I'll put him right behind Darth Tenebris Sonic wanted to mention that one of the reasons he put Kyle Katarn in the low priority tier is because he's not one of his favorite Jedi, and he also thinks that Rogue One has kind of reduced his character into needing to be something new entirely. Dash Rendar, again, is a character that's always been kind of a Han Solo stand-in, and I don't think that's changed much. In a world where we've had so many variations of smugglers and scoundrels, I don't know how much we need Dash Rendar to come back in full glory. We've already told the War of the Bounty Hunter story, which replaced Shadows of the Empire and canon could he show up for some scenes in in some type of show maybe could he show up in a scene in a comic book or a novel sure will he ever be a big character probably not i think he's too similar to canon characters i think we have a lot of characters who are too similar to dash rendar to where he's not as unique as he might have been back in the late 90s continuing shadows of the empire we got prince zizor zizor is in canon like uh, dash rendar and a lot of these other characters he has gotten a little bit more of a mention than Dash Rendar, but in general, Black Sun is not as important in canon as it has been in Legends. If we go to tell more Black Sun stories, maybe I'd want Prince Sizor in there. I think right now, Prince Sizor is pretty low priority. I'd even put him at the bottom of low priority. I think the story has been told. Next, we've got the clone of Palpatine from the Dark Empire comic book series. This is a tough one because we do have clones of Palpatine in The Rise of Skywalker. They've kind of done that story in The Rise of Skywalker. On the other hand, in my mind, I'm thinking... Well, you could have clones of Palpatine that take place before the Rise of Skywalker. There's a gray area in there where maybe you could have a younger Palpatine. It was an idea that was supposedly floated around. There were rumors of Matt Smith playing young Palpatine. This is the first character that I might put in Impossible to fit into canon. I just think this character, it would be too complex. We've already gotten a version of him in canon. Next, we're approaching the Thrawn trilogy character, starting with Mara Jade, a character that if you've been following our channel for a long time, you know I've been adamant this character needs to be back into canon. To me, Luke's journey is a couple steps away from being fantastic in The Last Jedi, but we need to see more. We need to see him push to the brink. Why did he want to attack his nephew when he had uh, the visions of the dark side in him? Why was he even suspicious of Ben Solo in the first place? What was his Jedi Academy like? Maybe the death of Mara Jade caused by something that Ben Solo accidentally did led to a bit of anger and resentment towards his nephew. There are so many things we can do with the Mara Jade character that help the Luke downfall. Unfortunately, I think she has to die a bit sooner than she does in Legends. But again, we've got about 25 years to play with. I don't know if I'd quite say she's as important right now to Star Wars canon as Plagueis, but I would put her right behind there. I think the fall of Luke is something we really need to explore. We're starting to do it now. Bring back Mara Jade. Mara Jade is a character that Sonic wanted me to mention and feature. He has a lot of the same reasons why he wants to see her return, thinks she's essential as I do. He agrees with me that Luke's story could become a lot more of a tragedy if you have Mara a part of it. So to run through the other Thrawn trilogy characters or the characters that were introduced in the Thrawn trilogy, we have Talon Card. 
a character I love a lot. Unfortunately, he is pretty similar to a lot of characters we've done in canon. You could say he was kind of our second or third scoundrel with, behind Lando and Han in Star Wars Legends. He's much more different than them, though. He's more put together. He's more of a businessman. He's not as much of a swindler. He has a good heart, though. I would like to see him back. But I, I do think he's low priority at this point. I think he's too similar to a lot of characters. Next, I'm going to combine uh, Master Joris Sabaoth and the clone of Master Joris Sabaoth, Jeruis Sabaoth, in the Thrawn trilogy. This is a character that I really love. I love the madness behind the Sparti cloning. I think all that works really well. And I think in an era where we're really exploring cloning, we have Moff Gideon experimenting with Force clones. We obviously have all the experiments being done on Mount Tantus in the Bad Batch, which is ultimately going to connect with Palpatine's experiments on Exegol. We have Strand cast clones. We have all these things going on. I'd like to see a version of Jerus Sabaoth come into canon. There have been heavy rumors that Balin Skull, the character played by the late great Ray Stevenson, rest in peace, Ray Stevenson, is going to be a pretty similar character to Jerus Sabaoth. Personally, I don't know if that's the case. I, I still am yet to completely buy that. Maybe he plays the role of like the force user bad guy. But there's so many things that are so unique about Jerus Sabaoth that I feel like need to be literally adapted from the character. So if he's pretty different, I think there's still even room for this character to come in. I'm going to put this character in high priority, actually. I'm going to put him at the high end of high priority. Sonic put Jerus Sabaoth in great but too similar to canon because he thinks that the Ray Stevenson character, like I mentioned, is going to be pretty similar to that character in the Ahsoka series. Next we have Borsk Falia, one of the main political antagonists of the Thrawn trilogy. Borsk Falia is a good character. I like the political machinations of this character. There's a sinister nature to this character that you don't find too much in Star Wars politicians outside of like the very typically evil ones like Palpatine. However, I'm not sure if we're going to get Borsk Falia directly adapted and if we do, not a big role. I think Borsk Falia is a low priority at this point. Kabarak of Clan Kimbar is one of the main Nogri we get in the Thrawn trilogy and it, he's a Nogri that I do think if we go back to the Nogri in the Thrawn trilogy we need however I think we've kind of finished exploring the Nogri I don't think that's gonna be a big plot point so I would put Kabarak into probably put him in low priority but I think it's really a low priority for them I don't think they're going to touch the Nogri. Winter is one of the close confidants of Leia Organa wife of Tycho Selchu of the Rogue Squadron novels. Winter is a really good character and a character I really like. Obviously, she's kind of raised as a sister with Leia and Alderaan. I think at this point, you know, not having seen her in canon, it would be hard to convince us that she is of any significance to Leia if we've never seen her before. I think she's a character whose role, if she's thrown into the series, would be dramatically reduced. I think she's quite low priority at this point. Senator Garmbelt Iblis, one of the founders of the movement to the restore the Republic and ultimately one of the founders of the Rebel Alliance in the Force Unleashed game, obviously appears here as one of the people who is well aware of the Dark Force in the Thrawn trilogy. Garmbelt Iblis is a really good character, a really interesting character, and one that I think we've pulled from in a variety of characters across canon. I'm going to drop him in great but too similar to canon characters. There's a lot of Luthan Rail in him. There's a lot of what Bail Organa kind of became in canon. And there's a lot of what Mon Mothma has kind of become a bit in Andor. However, I do think if we start to enhance Corellia, if we finally go back to Corellia, maybe make Solo 2 happen, actually make Solo 2 happen, Garmbel Iblis would be a cool character to add there to really strengthen Corellia as a planet. 
Sonic put Garmbel Iblis in great, but too similar to canon, mainly because he feels like Luthen Rails kind of occupied a lot of that same role. Luke Skywalker is the clone of Luke Skywalker from his hand in the final book of the Thrawn trilogy, The Last Command. A lot of people have made fun of Luke Skywalker because it's, it's such a silly name. I don't know if I would call him Luke Skywalker. Could we see a clone of Luke Skywalker, though? I think we could in canon. I think if we do the Thrawn trilogy, we could very well see a clone of Luke Skywalker. Do I want to see that? Maybe not. I don't know if I want it to be a major plot point. It's not really in the Thrawn trilogy. People like to make it out that it's a bigger thing than it is. Really, it's just kind of a final fight. It's a shocking final twist. Still, though, I wouldn't put him very high. I'd probably put him right above Sindel in if we've exhausted all other options. Oh, Lord, we're getting to the Jedi Prince series. So we've got Ken here, the grandson of Palpatine. Uh, Ken is the main character of the whole series. That series is bad. Ken is a, a ridiculous character. I could have put him in too similar to canon characters because we've gotten now the Rey is the granddaughter of Palpatine. But there's, yeah, there's no reason to bring Ken back. And same with Trioculus, a pretty ridiculous villain. Back when Star Wars was still trying to figure out whether it was a fantasy franchise, a science fiction franchise, uh, or a marriage of both, there were just a lot of characters that just were kind of stupid. We're getting into the three that I basically created the final category for impossible to fit into canon. We have Jason Solo, we have Jaina Solo, and we have Anakin Solo. Uh, unfortunately, I think at this point it is impossible to fit them into canon. Ben Solo obviously is the child of Han and Leia. Even if we wanted to make a stretch like I think we could for Mara Jade fitting into the story sometime in that 30 years between Return of the Jedi to The Force Awakens, there's really no way that Han and Leia could have had a secret child we don't know about. Could they have a child that maybe died young or something? Yes, maybe that contributes to the, ultimately them separating maybe the sadness of their relationship but i think that would honestly be way too sad so now we're going to jump to luke's new jedi order there are a lot of members of luke's new jedi order and that's an era we have not explored in canon yet we also have the new jedi order film being led by ray coming so a lot of characters like these could be brought into ray's version of the new jedi order as well if we don't ultimately get them in luke's new jedi order i mentioned earlier that i think luke needs to have some second in commands if we do kip duron i think that would be a bit of a stretch in the time we have now. Obviously, Kip has the whole Jedi Academy story where he uses the Sun Crusher to attack millions because of uh, Exar Kun's influence. I think stories like that, big grand stories like that, can fit into that gap with Luke's Jedi Academy. I would like to see stories like that. However, the transition of Kip Duran to ultimately becoming Jedi Master absolution a lot of that stuff i don't know if we can fit into that gap this might be a character that would work better under ray's tutelage where we have an entire future to grow with so if we're going to maintain the importance of kip Duran, i don't know if i would put him in high priority i think he's a low priority character at this point because his journey continues past Luke's New Jedi Order. So I put him at low priority. Building out Luke's New Jedi Order is really important. And if he's one of the apprentices there, maybe, I don't know, disappears or goes on some mission off the uh, world. Maybe he's imprisoned during the whole First Order conflict. He could be a nice addition to Rey's New Jedi Order, maybe a second in command for her. Next, we have the three main companions to the Solo Children. We've got Zek, we have Tanel Joe and we have Lobaka. So all three of these characters, I think, are important for bringing back into canon. I think in general, we need to flesh out Luke's new Jedi Order, like I mentioned with Kip Duran, but we also need to flesh out the story of Ben Solo, especially. We need to give him friends. We need to give him adversaries. We need to give him rivals. I think bringing characters like Zek, Tanel, and Lobaka back would work. Now, do we need to bring these exact versions of these characters? 
Probably not. And so that's where I'm right on the border of high or low priority, especially because the solo children are not coming back at all. So a lot of what makes their relationships important really is not going to be there and will have to be kind of rewritten. However, I think just in general, the idea of giving friends to Ben, making his fall a bit more tragic, making the people he ends up killing at the Academy a bit more tragic, and hopefully maybe even bringing characters that maybe escaped his massacre of the New Jedi Order, Luke's New Jedi Order, and then bringing them back for Rey's New Jedi Order, that might be something that's really interesting. So when it comes to Zek, Tanil, and Lobaka, I'm going to put them all in high priority. So another character who is very important to the New Jedi Order is Tahiri Vela. And Tahiri Vela is a character that, again, a part of her story doesn't work in canon because we're not going to have Darth Kytus and Jason Solo. We also don't really know what's going on with Yuzon Vong. Are they going to be in canon or not? She's a really good character, and if we do something with the Vong, we should bring her back. It would also be nice to have some type of characters who follow along with Ben. We all thought that the Knights of Ren were going to be those characters who left the Order and ended up becoming disciples of Ben Solo. That was not the case. So even though she's not one of the Jedi in The Rise of Kylo Ren that tries to get Ben to return, tries to take on Ben. It would be interesting if she was a character who maybe survived his massacre and then eventually follows up with him later and becomes a semi-apprentice to him. She could also be a character that you bring back and raise new Jedi Order if we do the Yuzon Vong or we do the Grisks. She could be a character that you tie into that. So because of that, I'm not ruling her out, but I would say she's low priority. I'm going to put her right in front of Prince Sizor. Natasi Dalla was one of the main characters in the Jedi Academy trilogy, the first female to ever achieve the rank of Admiral in the Imperial Navy, and an important character for the foundation of the Imperial Remnant in Legends. However, I do think she is a bit too similar to characters we've seen in canon. Uh, when it comes to the foundation and the Imperial Remnant, you can look at somebody like Admiral Ray Sloan. There's also elements of Commander Zara in her character with her relationship with Tarkin that has now been brought into canon and a different character. So as much as I'd like to see Natasi Dalla back, but I think she is too similar to canon characters. If we bring her back, great. Next, we're getting into the X-Wing characters, starting with the Rogue Squadron characters. We've got Korn Horn. Korn Horn becomes one of the most important characters in all of Legends, one of the best characters in the Rogue Squadron stories. And with his like semi-canonical appearance in Obi-Wan, uh, an appearance that we can actually build out his character, and I'd love to see him brought into canon fully this is a character that the way we've set him up in canon so far could actually work as like a, a top lieutenant for luke in luke's new jedi order and then we could carry him over if we ever do the rogue squadron movie we could carry him over and kind of serve that wedge role he could be the main commanding officer in a rogue squadron movie i'm actually going to put corn horn in essential for canon i'm going to put him at the bottom of my essential for canon but i think he's a character that i would love to see pop back up. Sonic threw Corrin Horn in high priority, mentioning again the Obi-Wan Kenobi appearance, and that he would really like to see a Karelian Jedi be brought into canon. So of course, when you think of Corrin Horn, you have to think of Mirax Tarek, his wife, as well as his father-in-law, the great Booster Tarek. I love both of these characters. I think they're both really fun. They help complete Corrin as a character. Are they as essential for canon as Corrin? No, they are not. I'd put them in high priority, though. I think if you're going to tell Korn's story, you need them in canon. So let's put them at the bottom of high priority here. Admiral Isan Izar, the main villain of the Rogue Squadron, first four Rogue Squadron books in the X-Wing series. Isan Izar is a terrifying villain, one that goes above and beyond your pure Imperial, one that is vindictive and scary and, and sets off a lot of destruction across the galaxy, one that just wants to wreak havoc. I think there are things about her that we can bring back, and I think there are enough 
differences between her and the Imperial officers we've seen in canon versus Natasi Dalla that she actually could come back. As we continue to explore the canon Imperial Remnant, I'd like to see some scarier Imperials come back. We've got Peleon, who's the more level-headed one. We just saw the Shadow Council. I would like to see her kind of just be rampaging across the galaxy, setting the world ablaze. Maybe we have Corrin finally come back into canon and take her on. I want to see her back. I'd put her in high priority. And in the same way, I would like to see Isard back as a wild card in the Imperial Remnant. I'd really like to see Warlord Zinj make a return. He could be one of those characters that continues to plague the New Republic without actually having an alliance with the First Order or whatever remains of the Imperial Remnant once Thrawn is defeated in canon. I would put Warlord Zinj right next to Isard in high priority. The Son, an interesting fallen Jedi, a dark Jedi in Legends terms, that is the villain of Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast. A great game. I don't know if I need this character back in canon. I think I'd put him at the bottom of low priority. Callista Ming, the infamous main character of the Callista trilogy, love interest of Luke Skywalker before he eventually gets married to Mara Jade. The Callista trilogy is one of the worst Star Wars book series of all time. And this character definitely helps contribute to that. I'd say Callista Ming is an absolutely not. I don't really have any interest in seeing her back or that story told again. Thrakken Sal Solo, a cousin of Han. Thrakken falls under the same lines as a lot of the characters we talked about from Corellia. If we make Corellia a bit more important, I think we can touch on him. But right now, I'm a bit indifferent to whether he comes back or not. Kier Kanos and Karner Jax are two really cool characters. And, and just the idea of the Imperial Guard in general is something we really haven't touched on in canon at all. I'd love to see Crimson Empire brought back in some way, maybe transitioning these characters into a story that we could tell, a completely new story that we can tell pre uh, A New Hope when Palpatine was still alive, since the Palpatine clones and the Imperial Remnant are not well defined in the time post Return of the Jedi in canon. I'd like to see these characters back. I think they are low priority, but I would like to see Crimson Empire brought back in some form. Put them right in front of Prince Sizor. Jagged Fell, the eventual leader of the Imperial Remnant, raised by Chiss in the Unknown Regions. There's a lot of really cool things about Jagged Fell. Some things that I see in maybe a character like Eli Vanto, if we ever get him to return. It's going to be really interesting to see what Lucasfilm decides to do with the new Jedi Order timeline in canon post-sequels with Rey at the head of it, is it just about building the new Jedi Order, or are there going to be these huge galactic threats like we're in the novels? The galaxy will be completely different at that time than it was during the sequel timeline, and we don't really get to see the fallout from Rise of Skywalker. Are there remnants of the Final Order and First Order that, are, that still remain on other planets that maybe a Jagged Fell comes out of. What's Thrawn's legacy and what's the legacy of the Chiss? Do the Grisks or the Yuuzhan Vong come and invade Rey's Je new Jedi Order in the galaxy at the time? What's the New Republic like at the time? Is the, the New Republic what builds off of the Resistance? Jagged Fell and the Fell Empire that eventually follows him would be a really cool faction to add to the lore of canon at the time of Rey's New Jedi Order movie. I think it's something we could pull from Legends that may not have worked in the way we've structured canon with, you know, the stories of the Skywalkers, but it might work post-sequels. And I think we could get it actually really close to how we had it in Legends. So if I'm going to put Jagged Fell in here, I actually think Jagged Fell and the Fell Empire in general would be high priority. And I'll, I'd put Jagged Fell in high priority, as well as Rowan Fell, who I have down here with the legacy characters. But you can't really talk about Legacy and Rowan Fell's involvement in that 
without talking about the initial Fell dynasty. So here we go. Fell Empire. I do think it's an idea worth bringing back. I think it's something to look at for Ray's new Jedi Order movie. And, and I think it is a worthwhile idea to make the Empire, the Imperial Remnant, the First Order Remnant, something that's not inherently bad all the time. Ben Skywalker, a character that is very tough to call here. I want Ben Skywalker back in canon. I really do. I just don't know where he fits and I don't know how he fits. At best, we get a Ben Skywalker. It's going to be that he's a, a very young kid when he ultimately perishes at the hands of Kylo Ren. Now, could we do something crazy? Could we say he was born of Mara Jade and Luke? Could we say that Luke hid him after Kylo's destruction of the temple? Sure. And could we bring Ben Skywalker back in maybe a uh, new Jedi Order movie with Rey? Yeah, that is possible. And I, I would love to see that. Honestly, I'd love a descendant of Luke to actually exist out there in canon. Would it kind of go against everything we've set up in the sequel trilogy? Yes, and I know for a lot of you watching, you're going to be like, yes, please, that's good. I just prefer consistent Star Wars storytelling to make a huge game-changing retcon or to make a huge twist like that would be a bit uh, a bit out of left field to me. I'm not going to write off Ben Skywalker completely, and obviously his name would be different than Ben. <laughs> right now, I'm going to put Ben Skywalker, I think, into impossible to fit into canon. Next, we look at the Yuuzhan Vong. The Yuuzhan Vong, like I mentioned many times with Rey's new Jedi Order movie, they could be the main villains. We could do something huge like that. The fact that we haven't gotten any sequels or like a trilogy or a series of movies announced with new Jedi Order does make me think that we won't get something as massive as the Yuuzhan Vong war. However, with what we're setting up with Thrawn trilogy, maybe new Jedi Order is the first step. It hints at that. And then we do the Thrawn movie, the Heir to the Empire movie that Dave Filoni he's working on and it sets up the grisks officially and maybe we get some more zon books and it sets up the grisks to actually be our replacement for the vong i'm gonna include the vong here in my ranking as the grisks as well i'm gonna say they're one and the same because that's what it seems like they might be so i'm gonna put them in high priority because i think it is something that we were, are going to touch on at some point here in canon sonic said he was indifferent on the use on vong he doesn't really care if they are in canon or not but he just wants the whole appearance to be a little bit more simple and straightforward Lumia, the Dark Lady of the Sith, is a really interesting character that she's spanned across like all of Legends from all the way from the early days of the Marvel comics in the 70s and early 80s all the way to the Legacy of the Force series coming out between 2006 and 8. Does she fit into canon? I don't know how much she fits in the canon. Obviously, we start with the most obvious thing. Uh, a lot of the idea of the seduction of Darth Kytus, a.k.a. Jason Solo, who is now, you know, replaced in canon by Ben Solo, aka Kylo Ren, that is going to happen from Snoke. So uh, we get rid of her role there right off the bat. Now, can she serve as a cool antagonist to Luke Skywalker, maybe Secret Apprentice of Darth Vader in a variety of other ways? Sure, we can still do that. But because a lot of her like big revenge story can't be fully realized in canon, I would say to me, she's pretty low priority. Alana Solo, the daughter of Jason Solo, Antonelle Joe is a character that obviously right now doesn't fit into canon because uh, Ben Solo doesn't have a child. However, one of my crazy theories that uh, you guys have might have heard me talk about this in the past is that I think a lot of the new Jedi Order movie, I've talked a lot about a lot of the things it can include, and I do think it will be a setup for something much bigger, maybe the, the sequel trilogy slash series that we could have gotten but never got if we have a story a plan that really takes us through a large variety of star wars uh, a large overarching series that might tie in 
uh, TV, film, books, comics. Let's do a real new Jedi Order. One of the crazy ideas I think that could be a part of this is Rey for 15 years might be searching for a way to bring back Kylo Ren, aka Ben Solo. And there are a lot of things that obviously don't really work in, in the Star Wars lore that we have now about bringing him back. However, we are talking about adapting Legends here, and, and Legends has a variety of crazy science fiction fantasy concepts that you could use to make us suspend our disbelief for why Ben could be back. For example, one thing I think that could bring Ben back is the fact that him giving his life essence at the end of The Rise of Skywalker to Rey Maybe he left a bit of himself in her, his spiritually, like a bit of his spirit is imprinted on her. Maybe she can hear his voice and, and hear him calling to her, but he can't manifest himself physically in the force because he has given basically all of his force essence to her. So I could see Rey kind of searching for a way, maybe both with light side and dark side rituals to bring back Ben. And if we do bring back Ben, I think there's a possibility we could have Ben and Rey have a child which then could be somebody like Alana Solo. As of now, I think she's impossible to fit into canon and I'm going to put her there. But if my crazy theory comes true, I would I would actually really like to see that. Abeloth, the bringer of chaos, the mother in Mortis. Abeloth in general is a weird, crazy, trippy sci-fi concept. And, and I think there's been an obsession with Mortis in the last few years, especially when a lot of us heard that Duel of the Fates featured Mortis, which was the original film for The Rise of Skywalker. I am indifferent on her coming back. There's ways you can convince me that her coming back could be cool. So now we jump all the way to the legacy timeline. So we get into Star Wars Legacy, and right now we're looking at Kate Skywalker, Asherod Het, who is Darth Krait, and of course, one of the internet's favorite Sith, Darth Talon. So let's start with Kate Skywalker. Obviously, the way we have it set up here, I, I have the solo children, I have Ben Skywalker, and Impossible to fit into canon. Kate Skywalker probably fits into that slot as well. However, and I know a lot of you guys won't like this, if Rey has a descendant with anybody down the line, she has taken the name Skywalker. She officially, canonically, has the name Rey Skywalker. We could see a descendant down the line, still have the name Skywalker, and be a descendant of Rey. I don't think we're going to jump to the legacy timeline anytime soon. I think right now they're set on trying to flesh out the post-sequel timeline. Do I want to see Kate Skywalker back? I think he's an interesting enough character, a, a character that is very early 2000s. I think you can adapt him to fit the times a bit better, but I would put him in low priority for a character I'd like to see back. A character that I think is really fascinating is Darth Krayt, and I would love to see Darth Krayt in the story of Asherod Het brought back in some way, even if it wasn't in the Legacy timeline, even if it was maybe in the New Jedi Order timeline that we're doing in canon. Uh, but if we ever do get to Legacy, I would like to see Asherod Het brought back. I'm going to put Asherod Het, Darth Krayt, in high priority. Darth Talon is a cool character, a cool assassin Sith. Put her in here because people love her for obvious reasons, but Darth Talon is a character I'm actually pretty indifferent about. If we bring her back, great. But that is my tier list, so let me know what you think in the comments below. Who are your essential characters to be put in canon? If you want to rank all these characters in the same tiers that I rank them, do so in the comments. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. This is definitely going to be very subjective to everybody's tastes in Star Wars Legends, but again, to run through my tier list. Here's a quick scroll through. Uh, this was a this was a fun, interesting, unique topic to do. So I'm, I'm glad you guys all appreciated it. Here's one last look at Sonic's tier list as well. And that's gonna wrap up our video. So thank you so much for watching. Of course, as always, make sure you're hitting that like button down below and you're subscribing to the channel for continued Star Wars content. We have more Star Wars content coming next week. Both of us have, like I said, been pretty busy in May. So we're hoping to make June a major return to form for our channel. And 
a huge influx of Star Wars content and especially original Star Wars content on our channel. Like we've been promising for a long time, the next couple weeks should feature the remaining High Republic Phase 2 book reviews that we have not done as well as comic reviews. Community Bracket is still going, so make sure you're voting for your favorite Star Wars characters. If you haven't checked out some of our other videos we posted lately, we did post a spoiler review for Jedi Survivor. We talked full spoilers on the characters and the story of that game, so if you're interested in hearing our thoughts there, make sure you check out that video. We also reviewed Dark Force Rising in our latest episode of Legends Book Club. Thank you all so much for watching, and we'll see you next time.